Hi, Dr. Brett Hill here. It's back to school time, and one thing us parents don't want is kids coming home complaining of sore feet. The flat, wide, and flexible shoes in the Vivo Barefoot Kids range is the perfect fit for your child's feet to grow up healthy and strong the way they're designed to. And the great news, the Wellness Couch listeners can get 30% off the Vivo Barefoot range until the 1st of February 2016. All you have to do is go to www.souldistribution.com.au forward slash the wellness couch. That's S-O-L-E distribution.com.au forward slash the wellness couch and enter the code the wellness couch. Vivo Barefoot, the original barefoot shoe since 2003. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favorite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by one of my absolute favorite naturopaths. Now, not Damien Christoph, who is also one of my favourite naturopaths, my co-host on The Wellness Guys, but another naturopath who's also equal favourite. I don't want to get in on offside, but welcome to the show, Casey Wilson. Hi, Brett. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on board. I was just saying to Casey off air, I cannot actually believe that it's taken me this long to get Casey on <laughs> that paleo show. Um, it's well and truly overdue, but but we got there, Casey. So we did. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Some people may have heard you before on my other podcast show, The Wellness Guys, episode 181. You came on and did a great job teaching us all about gut and poo and all those sort of things that Damien loves to talk to people about. But for those who don't know, Casey's an Adelaide-based naturopath, nutritionist, writer and speaker, and she loves to spread the healthy word. She aims to create loads of health and happiness, providing with the most exciting information, tips to achieve health and the happiest version of you. And... I can tell you that Casey lives and breathes this. She is just a happy, vibrant person. She's got a beautiful smile. She's got a beautiful personality that just radiates out of her every time she comes in for an adjustment and every time I get to see her. So an absolute pleasure to have you on board, Casey. Thanks, Brett. It's great to be here and be able to share my message. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it because you've got so many great messages we could talk about, but we're going to focus in on a couple of them today and and really hone in on some really important topics. But before we start to do that, I'd love to get a bit of background about you because, as I said, some of the listeners of that paleo show haven't listened to the Wellness Guys yet. I can't believe they haven't, but some of them may (laughs) not have. Um, So for those who haven't been introduced to you yet or perhaps just haven't got to that episode yet, tell us a bit about yourself, Casey. What's been your personal journey? How have you ended up in this naturopathic world? Sure. Well, I actually grew up on Kangaroo Island. I had um, an amazing childhood and upbringing. I lived um, on a farm and had had a horse and was in open spaces, fresh air. It was beautiful. Um, But I did hit um, a party girl scene in my early teens and um, basically started, um, you know, partying a lot, binge drinking, lack of sleep. Um, I was loading myself up on refined carbs and I was craving those. And it took a couple of years, but basically I wound up with a chronic candida infection and um, that led on to adrenal fatigue issues as well. And um, by the end of year 12, I was um, really sick of feeling feeling sick and um, somehow was led to study naturopathy. And uh, so I moved up from KI to Adelaide and um, started studying naturopathy. And it was, you know, it was such a blessing because I was able to learn about what I was doing to my body what I needed to do to really allow healing to take place. And now that I'm, I'm qualified and I've been in clinic for nearly seven years now, I've, 
I've got the opportunity to help many other women overcome their health challenges and, and I've got that particular passion for really helping them achieve healthy digestion, you know, balanced hormones and vibrant energy levels. Well, you know, I was such a nerd going through school, Casey, because in my <laughs> early teens, I was all I cared about was cricket. I'm not, I'm not sure I'd even spoken to a girl by the time I got to early teens. Yeah. So how old were you when you started doing this partying? Uh, yeah, well, sadly to say, it was really aged 13, 14. Um, yeah, on, on the island, there's, it's really a country thing. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of partying and, yeah, it, it led to the, the binge drinking and, and the health challenges started after that and why do you think that is because obviously rural health is a big mm-hmm. topic nowadays um, obviously mental health is a is a huge part of that particularly with the guys in the bush but also mm-hmm. obviously with the girls as well yeah. is it just a is it a boredom thing is it you know why is it that 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 happens from such a young age in your experience yeah. in the country i think so i think it's a boredom thing and lack of uh, opportunities um being up here obviously in adelaide there's um, a lot more opportunities for um kids to to get out and do things um like sport is a major thing on on the island and in rural communities but unfortunately that goes hand in hand with with partying as well so um yeah i think i think having more opportunities and and keeping busy would help yeah and, you know, I think in the last few years, there's been some really great movement in that area as well. You know, things like the Good Sports Program, which has come That's in at right. a lot of clubs now, um, mm. is actually really starting to make a difference and, and make some of those clubs so much more family-friendly, which I think is mm. just wonderful. So, you know, we should say that there, there have probably since you and I went through, yeah. there, there have been changes there, which is fabulous too. Um, but you mentioned, you know, candida, adrenal fatigue. Mm-hmm. These can be two topics that often aren't very well addressed in the mainstream medical sphere. I know I'm generalising there. There are probably some yeah. people who do a wonderful job of it. But as a general rule, they often aren't well addressed. They often aren't – people often don't know how to deal with them or what to mm. do with them. Um, and that can be really frustrating and it can be really challenging for someone going through that. Um, what was your experience in that regard? Yeah, definitely. Like I'd, I'd been to the into the doctor and um, really just offered drugs and – yeah they just they don't understand that it that can be an underlying cause for so many other health conditions and you need to get to it before it hits that stage and um, for me it was about you know getting going back to sort of paleo style eating and um, nurturing my body self-care and I'm um, doing real simple things um, to to really uh, overcome those those health conditions and not just <laughs> go on to drugs and, and suppress the symptoms. And so what were the diagnoses you were given by the doctors and what were the drugs they prescribed for you? Oh, well, they, they didn't diagnose, but um, basically I had, I'd got to the stage where I was having um, constant thrush infections and so that was driven by the candida. Um, so all they could really offer me there was um, going on to caniston, which is the antifungal treatment, um, and adrenal fatigue, that wouldn't, that was not, definitely not diagnosed by the doctor because they don't, generally they don't, um, you know, they, that's not something that they address and um, they will only sort of diagnose something until it gets to the stage of, of um, you know, really chronic um, adrenal conditions like um, Cushing syndrome and, um, yeah, unfortunately, adrenal fatigue is really just poo-pooed and they're on their way. But, yeah. uh, and, and yeah. a lot of people end up on you know, antidepressants and, and a whole raft of other different medications because mm. of that. You know, they, they will see yeah. that as, well, it must be just in your head. We can't find anything else on our testing. So you know, it mm. must be in your head. Here's some antidepressants. You know, those sort of things happen as well, Exactly. Don't they? Yeah, well, the biggest one that I see now in clinic is that um, women are coming in and, um, you know, 
with PCOS or endometriosis or these hormone hormonal conditions, and um, their only option is you know go on the pill. And mm. um, yeah, that's really sad because that's then driving other inflammation and gut issues as well, and really not getting to the underlying cause. So it's frustrating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that kind of drives us towards what's going to be the main topic of our interview today, which is talking all about women. Uh, particularly women's hormones um, and what's going on with women's reproductive cycles. So, Casey, this is obviously not my area of expertise, um, so I'm going to throw across to you. What is going on with women's reproductive cycles? Sure. Well, it's a, a woman's cycle is, is a brain-driven event. So it all comes back to the master gland in the brain called the hypothalamus. And that hypothalamus releases a hormone called gonadotropin-releasing hormone. Now, that stimulates um, the pituitary gland, which is also found in the brain, to release other hormones um, such as the follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone into the bloodstream. Now, with a, a woman's cycle, there's, there's two phases. So the first phase is basically the first half of the cycle. So if we've got a normal 28-day cycle, it's those first two weeks, basically from the first day of the period up until ovulation. And so that's called the follicular phase, and it's basically where the egg development occurs. And that follicle-stimulating hormone that I talked about, when that's released, that stimulates estrogen levels and it triggers an egg to begin the ripening process. And when the egg follicles grow, they manufacture and further release more estrogen into the bloodstream. And the follicle ejects eggs into the abdominal cavity. That's picked up by the fallopian tubes and then travels into the uterus. And over this follicular phase, estrogen really builds up to a peak just before ovulation and it drops off again in the second half of the cycle um, just to a really low um, before menstruation. And that second half of the cycle is called the luteal phase and it's basically ovulation to the first day of the period. And that's um, created basically in the luteal phase. There's a surge of that luteinizing hormone that's released around the time of ovulation. And that promotes the like matured follicle and stimulates the ovaries to produce progesterone. And there's I mean, a lot of talk about progesterone. It's really important. It helps the development of the tissue and the blood in the uterus. And it actually promotes that um, egg white type fertile mucus change that women experience around ovulation together with that rise in temperature and the increased libido, which is obviously really important if we're talking about fertility. And then once that egg's released um, at ovulation, the, the follicle begin, becomes an endocrine gland and that's called the corpus luteum. And it's like a blister on the surface of the ovary. And the corpus luteum continues to produce that estrogen, but mainly progesterone, as the progesterone in the second half of the cycle is really important to become dominant over the estrogen. And throughout this phase, basically the uterine lining thickens, becomes engorged with blood, and it's preparing to have a to support a growing fetus. But menstruation occurs when there's no fertilised egg implanted in the uterus and that uterus lining sheds and makes up the blood of menstruation. So the cycle continues. You know, I'm so glad you've just gone through that, Casey, because that's actually not where I was expecting you to go when I asked that question, but mm-hmm. I love it because yeah. as much as I say I'm a novice on this topic, you know, I learned all this stuff as I went through my health science degree, obviously, and we yeah. learned all the details of how of the reproductive cycle. And, mm. and I'm always surprised when I do talk to ladies about, you know, what's going on in their bodies of just how little understanding there is with some women about what is a normal cycle? What is actually happening at each stage of the cycle and, and what's happening within their body? And, and so it's beautiful that you've just set that out and explained what is supposed to happen because I think so often in health and in medicine, 
we're so busy looking at pathology that we mm-hmm. forget to look at physiology. You know, we're so busy looking at what's going wrong that we forget to look at, well, what's supposed to happen? What happens when it goes right? And I think by studying what happens when it goes right and trying to recreate that, then often that's where we can get the, the real long-term health and wellness answers rather than wait until it goes wrong and try and patch it up and put it back together. So exactly. thank you, Casey. That was great. Uh, I think I think so many people have got just a crash course on what's yeah. going on with their hormones, and I reckon there's a whole bunch of ladies and probably men out there who are going to replay that several times just to try and get that into their head of, okay, what is actually going on in my body at these various different stages of the cycle? So great information. So now that we've got that, and we just I just spoke about what happens when it goes wrong, but we are going to talk about what happens when it goes wrong because for many ladies – in, in our country and around the world, that it's not going the way it's supposed to be. We're not doing that textbook normal physiological responses. Not that there's a you know, normal and unnormal, but mm. you know what I mean. So what are the common issues women are experiencing with their cycles in our modern world? Yeah, the, the really popular or common ones that are coming into the clinic, um, are women are experiencing irregular cycles. Now, this can be anything from, you know, say, just a few days over, 35, 40 days, but up to six months, 12 months between cycles. And a big one is um, women coming off of the oral contraceptive pill and that, that um, irregular cycle, um, unfortunately, takes, takes a while to, to get the regular cycle again. Um, so that's a big one. I see a lot of heavy periods and often that's the case in in fibroids Um, and then there's real painful periods as well and in the case of endometriosis which is a condition I'll probably talk about later um, that basically can cause such severe pain that women are fainting and and vomiting from the pain Um, and then there's the PMS which a lot of women can relate to is breast tenderness cravings particularly for chocolate and sweets the mood swings and irritability and around that week leading up to to the period um, and that's often caused by estrogen dominance um, so yeah they're the, they're the real um, common ones that I'm seeing coming in into the clinic and I guess the other thing that people often are talking about now is is the early onset of both puberty and also yes. menopause um, so yeah. what's going on there yeah, well, there's a lot of estrogen happening now, um, estrogen mimicking substances in the environment. And unfortunately, this is, you know, impacting the, the age that yeah, women are undertaking puberty. And unfortunately, it's, you know, seeing cases of eight, nine years old, um, they're going through puberty, which is, is quite sad because that, you know, it's taken away their childhood. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a lot to do with the, the estrogen that we are being exposed to in the environment. And then there's, I can talk about some genetics that play a role as well and the ability to actually get rid of that estrogen as well. Um, so, yeah, that is a big one. And then, therefore, early menopause is, is happening as well. So where is the extra estrogen and the estrogen-mimicking substances coming from? Oh, well, the environment. Um, so we've got uh, xenoestrogens, which are basically trick the body into... Um, you know, believing there's more estrogen there, they mimic that estrogen. So things like um, BPA from plastic water bottles, the lids of, um, you know, coffee, takeaway coffee cups that contains BPA, and especially when you hit, hit it with the hot um, coffee mm. or tea, that's a really big one. Um, parabens in um, cosmetics, they can um, contribute to estrogen dominance. Um, phthalates. Phthalates are in um, any, th- any furniture and vinyl flooring. And so if you buy uh, a new car and you get that new car smell, that's actually really bad for you because it's those phthalates off-gassing. And um, so if you're you know, buying new furniture, the same thing. So phthalates are a big one and, and especially vinyl flooring. Um, 
so yeah, there's a few few little um, you know environmental exposures to estrogen, and I can can go into that um, later on as well, and we'll talk about how to overcome it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was all playing a big role in in these um, you know hormonal in, imbalances. And I guess hormones in the food as well. Yeah. So soy is a big one. Um, soy has an estrogen effect in the body, and um, I see a lot of particularly a lot of vegetarians and vegans relying on soy and um, particularly tofu and soy milk, and unfortunately um, that does have an impact on the hormones. And I only just saw a, a lady the other day that um, said she, she'd converted over from almond milk to soy milk, and within mm. two weeks of having a cup a day, she noticed that it affected her moods. Um, that was, you know, that's the first time I've heard of that, but um, it, does, it does impact the estrogen levels, yeah. And so... Um... PMS is one that you mentioned before as well, and mm. and PMS is something that m- most people just think, well, that's just normal. That's just the way mm. it is. Yeah. Uh, but what you're saying is that that's actually, uh, you know, that can be a hormone imbalance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's usually the, um, so when I was talking about before, the progesterone should be dominant in that second half of the cycle. Often that doesn't happen because there's too much estrogen going on and, and you need the progesterone and estrogen in a certain ratio. Um, so when the estrogen is more dominant, particularly in the lead up before your periods, that's when those those issues like the breast tenderness, the cravings, the mood swings, irritability, all occurs. And women say, as soon as I get my period, um, I don't know why I was acting like that. Like they just go back to normal then, um, and it's usually the the estrogen dominance, and that drops off, as I said, right before menstruation. So that's why they feel good again afterwards. There you go. So there's going to be girls out there and probably guys out there as well listening to that mm-hmm. thinking, what? It's not normal. There's something you can do. It. So we're going to get to some tips afterwards to talk about, you know, what we can do about that as well. So, yeah. but before we do that, some of the, the, the three that seem to be just coming up so much more commonly now, PCOS, endometriosis and fibroids. Mm-hmm. Do you have any stats on, on how common they are now? Because it does seem that it's just almost universal, those problems happening right across the board at the moment. I don't, unfortunately. No, I have to get back to you on the, the stats. Um, and I guess I'm, it's a bit biased because when I um, see patients coming in, they, they yeah. all seem to have hormonal imbalances. Yeah. So I don't know whether that's normal out there. or. Well, I think probably less biased for me in a, in a chiropractic yeah. practice. But mm. I tell you what, I seem to be seeing it so much more. Uh, and, and perhaps, you know, people come to see me, probably there's more of them leaning towards a paleo sort of lifestyle and, and often are doing it for reasons of wanting to help out their hormones. But it does just seem to be so common now. So what's going on and what's the link between those? Yeah, okay. Well, having PCOS basically means that um, your ovaries aren't getting those right hormonal signals from the pituitary gland. Um, so usually this occurs with high luteinizing hormone. That's from the pituitary gland but and or insulin production from the pancreas. And that insulin production leads on to high testosterone levels. And so when the imbalances in the hormones actually prevents the ovulation from happening each month with PCOS and it causes um, these benign masses on the ovaries and they're called the ovarian cysts. That can lead to symptoms like weight gain, difficulty losing weight, acne, um, those are regular cycles and therefore having the regular cycles as a lack of ovulation. Lack of ovulation obviously leads to infertility as well or fertility issues. Mm. Um, th- hair thinning on the head but increasing on the body and the face. 
Um, so they're the big, big symptoms, but it's also linked with anxiety, depression, thyroid imbalances, diabetes, and high blood pressure as well. So it's really important to get um, back to understanding what's happening and, and rebalancing the, the body to prevent these issues from, from occurring. Um, so basically, to, to sort of summarise that, having PCOS, it's um, in the cycle when it's in full swing, those luteinizing hormone levels are at a constant high. Therefore, there's no luteinizing surge, which you need to ovulate, and the, ovulate, the ovulation doesn't occur. The periods are therefore irregular, and so that that lack of, lack of ovulation also contributes to lower progesterone levels, which leads on to the estrogen dominance as well. So it's a big vicious cycle. Yeah. But then in, in endometriosis, what we've got is tissue that's similar to the inside lining of the uterus. It's actually found outside its normal location. So it can be found on ovaries, the fallopian tubes, ligaments that support the uterus, um, as well as the tissue that covers the, the bladder and the rectum. And that can cause severe pelvic pain, whether it's before, during or after menstruation. And it can, can cause pain with intercourse and um, lead on to constipation issues as well. And fibroids are a benign tumour of muscular and fibrous tissue and they often develop on or in a woman's uterus. And hormonal imbalances, particularly oestrogen dominance, often um, are sort of causing or contributing to fibroids, as is family history, so genetics do play a role as well. And when they grow large, they can cause severe abdominal swelling um, pain, heavy bleeding, and can cause that pain with intercourse as well. And as I said, unfortunately, it's becoming the norm to see women presenting with these conditions in clinic. Yeah, absolutely. And infertility seems to be the other one. You've mentioned that a couple of times, um, but that seems to be another one that, that's on the rise and more and more women having challenges in that area, it seems. Um, and a lot of people seem to be just putting that down to, well, they're, they're leaving it longer, they're getting older. But I think there's more to it than that, don't you? Yeah, well, that um, estrogen dominance basically can cause a deficiency in progesterone and that's the hormone that we need to, to particularly sustain in pregnancy. And um, it's crucial for the survival of the, the fertilised egg and the fetus because it's, it, it supports that maturing of the uterine lining and um, it's, that prepares it for the fertilised egg to implant successfully and therefore to prevent the shedding of the lining in the uterus. So without adequate progesterone, miscarriage levels will rise um, and it's also important progesterone is crucial for that adequate ovulation and so progesterone deficiency can prevent the ovulation which obviously will lead to um, infertility or, or difficulty trying to get pregnant um, but sperm quality is a big one as well so um, you know, there's a, <laughs> yeah there's a lot of a lot of information coming out now that um, you know, sperm quality and, and the quantity is really important for, for conception. And so really what, what I um, recommend is a good at least three months before a couple are uh, deciding to conceive is to start on a detox plan and um, nutritional supplements and really getting that diet and nourishing diet in, lots of good fats um, to prepare for, you know, good sperm and and that's not always the case. So, you know, yeah, unfortunately, that's contributing. It's fascinating you say that because I was actually just asked that exact question the other day. And, and mm. a good friend of mine was contacted me asking about her partner saying, look, you know, we want to try. And, you know, how long before should, do I have to get him to clean up his act? <laughs> you know, basically, was the question she was asking. I said, well, look, 
my answer was if it was me, I'd do 12 months. You know, yeah. I'd want to have at least 12 months. I said, but at least get him to do three months. And, yeah. you know, if you can't get him to do three months, then minimum a month. You know, you've just got to, you know, if you can't commit to a month, then you probably, you might not be ready to have a kid. You know, like it's, cause yeah. it's a big commitment, I've got to tell you. So that, that's the least of your worries is doing a month of clean eating. So, you know, I, I think that's so important. And I think so often with infertility issues, there's so much pressure put on the partners uh, and particularly put on the, the females in terms of this reproductive stuff. And, and particularly when it comes to the, I guess, the lifestyle stuff, which often the, and this is a massive generalization, but often the women are more on board with that than the blokes. The blokes mm. can take a little bit longer to come around and to make changes. And obviously there's lots of blokes out there doing a great job, but often you'll see it within a couple. I'm sure you see the same thing, Casey, where the woman wants to have a baby. They're on board. They're doing all these different things and their partner isn't necessarily on board with them. Have you got any advice for people in that situation? Mm, yeah, well, basically just sitting the, the guy down saying, well, you know, do you want to have a family and what's more important to you, you know, drinking or eating badly or um, really nourishing and getting, you know, the best, giving a child the, the best start in life um, possible yeah. because, you know, that conception, that that contributes to health down the track. So, yeah, yeah it's just really um, getting to understand that. Just right into it. All right, you're just going to knock them between the eyes. And, and what about if they're sort of sceptical about that? What if they sort of say, well, you know, I don't think it makes that much difference and really how much difference if I just have a beer this Saturday night or if I just have this McDonald's, how much difference is it really going to make? Is there stuff we can point them towards in terms of research and evidence that's going to really hit them between the eyes and make them realise that it is going to have an impact? Oh, I always like um, Jennifer Floriani's um, well-adjusted babies, and so I'm good. pretty sure she's got a chapter in there about preconception. But yeah. um, there's so much online now, like um, yeah, and just following naturopaths and nutritionists and chiropractors, and um, just surrounding yourself with information. And, and even on social media, we're putting out studies and things regularly. So um, yeah, just keeping keeping on top of that, and then sending through any articles or, or studies or things to to your partner, and just say, look. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just me it's it's the study saying it too so, so basically what we're saying is just follow casey on facebook <laughs> and then just tag your partner in every single yeah. one <laughs> until they get the message right? exactly so if you think there might be an issue there casey what about how do we test for it and do we need to test for it or do we just change our lifestyle anyway but if we do want to test for it how do we test for it and are there tests for the girls and the guys yeah, well, the the guy, um, the girls, I always um, test for first. So, um, if we're looking, if if you're experiencing any of those symptoms that I talked about, so whether you know you're you're getting the irregular cycle, having period pain or heaviness or breast tenderness, PMS, cravings, any of those things, I really try to get the you know that get to the bottom of it and just take out the guesswork if you're seeing a naturopath, ask for some testing. So the basic one that you can do is saliva hormone testing. Um, so that um, you can opt to do sex hormones and all-day adrenal profile. And that's really important because your adrenals need to be nice and healthy to be able to produce those sex, sex hormones properly as well. Um, so you can do um, one through labs like Nutripath, HealthScope. Um, naturopaths can, can order those ones for you. But if you want to go the next step, and this one's just come out in Australia this year, uh, sorry, 2015, um, the Dutch Complete Hormone Test. Now, that's a urine test. It tests for those adrenals, tests for the sex hormones, but also the metabolism, as that's really important. There's things like the um, methylation cycles, so the MTHFR gene defect, um, 
things like that can affect the ability of you metabolizing, breaking down those hormones and eliminating them properly from the body. So in the case of estrogen dominance, it can go down, it can be pushed down three pathway or estrogen can be pushed down three pathways, um, two hydroxy, four hydroxy or 16 hydroxy estrogen pathways. And we want to really promote it down the number two pathway because that's the healthy one. If it's going down four and particularly four, sometimes 16, that can lead to DNA damage and can lead to really you know, bad conditions down the track. So we want to um, really look at the metabolism as well. And that's the one that I'd recommend now for women to get. If they've got any of those symptoms or if they're looking at having children down the track. Um, otherwise, bloods, um, you want to be looking at things like fasting insulin. So you need to see a GP for this, and I'd get the males and the females to do this. Um, fasting insulin is so much more important than looking at just glucose because glucose can be normal and is often normal on bloods. But unless you test for fasting insulin, that could be through the roof. And that's a big driver for PCOS and um, hormonal imbalance stress levels. So we want to get that in, in the right range. So I recommend under five, um, as well as the glucose. Vitamin D is crucial because it plays a massive role in activating over 3,000 genes in the body. So we want to make sure that's at least 100. Um, the thyroid panel as well, because you need the thyroid to be working properly um, for Know, energy in the cell and uh, metabolism as well. Um, often the doctors will only test for TSH. That's only one little portion. So if you can really push to get them to do the free T4, free T3, um, thyroid antibodies and even reverse T3, then that will give you the whole picture. So if you can't get the GP to do it, naturopaths can as well, integrated GPs. Um, as I mentioned, the, um, there's a couple of gene defects that can, can promote estrogen build up in the body, um, the MTHFR gene defect and the COMPT gene defect. So they both contribute to breaking down, or well, those genes are important to breaking down estrogen and eliminating it properly. So if you've got the gene defects and you, you need to work that bit harder and possibly need to supplement to break um, down the estrogen properly. And also testing your blood sugars at home, that's a really simple one that you can do. And making sure they're in, in a good reference range fasting, but also a couple of hours after eating. And so I look, like to see it between 4 to 5.4. And that will help to encourage healthy fasting insulin levels as well, or insulin levels over the day, because that insulin's creeping up, that's creating inflammation, it's creating higher stress levels, it's um, pushing testosterone levels through the roof as well and contributing to PCOS. So that's, that's some tests that I'd recommend um, there. But with the fellas, I'd just recommend they get those bloods and um, they can also do the hormone testing as well just to make sure that they don't have high estrogen levels as, as a lot of men, men do because, once again, the, the estrogen mimicking factors in the environment can contribute to that. All right. That was a massive amount of information, Casey. So I think it's fair to say that if you think you might have these issues, you probably want to get yourself a really good naturopath like Casey who's going to help you figure out what tests you need, what questions you need to ask, but also what you then do about it when you want to overcome these imbalances. Exactly. So let's give us some people some general tips of what they can do. Obviously, depending on what's going on in terms of those tests, you'd be able to give more specific advice, but some general tips about how people overcome these imbalances, Casey? Yeah, sure. So we'll start with with diet. Then, obviously, we want to want to get that um, you know nourishing diet in. Um, so really, getting good fats. So we want to balance blood sugar levels over the day. So as I said, if blood sugars are up, insulin will be up, um, and then we can't control 
cortisol and testosterone and, and inflammation. So you need to really focus on getting less fructose. That's the big one. So fructose, highly concentrated fructose um, containing foods are those that have got the high fructose corn syrup, so your soft drinks and um, sauces and package, a lot of packaged foods, that will completely drive insulin. Um, even too much uh, you know, natural sweeteners and too much fruits, I recommend try to keep fruit to three pieces a day as well. And obviously any products that contain sucrose or table sugar, that's um, going to upset your blood sugars and your insulin as well. Um, But concentrate on getting the good fats in. These are really nourishing and you need good fats to help promote healthy hormone um, production in the first place. And so good fats with each meal, I recommend things like avocado, nuts, seeds, olive oil, macadamia oil, cooking in ghee, lard or coconut oil, and don't be scared of those saturated fats. You need mm-hmm. them. They will control, help to control that release of the glucose um, over the day and they'll keep you feeling fuller for longer as well. Small amounts of protein with each meal as well, so your organic grass-fed free-range wherever you can. Um, that will also help to promote um, Hormone, hormone production and keeping those blood sugars um, steady through the day and keeping you full, keep your energy levels nice and stable. And I, you know, in clinic I've found by cutting back or out altogether on grains and white potato, it does make a huge difference to blood sugars and insulin levels. And, you know, I've seen dramatic changes in, in women just making small changes in their diet, taking out those foods and in the next consult will retest their their blood sugars and they'll be nice and stable so you know diet can can make a massive difference you can help out your liver so lots of cruciferous vegetables so things like cauliflower broccoli kale bok choy cabbage but um, to help out their thyroid just make sure that they're cooked or fermented otherwise they can compete with the thyroid obviously limiting alcohol and coffee they will stress out the liver but they'll also they're stimulants so they'll up your um, stress levels um, so they're they're really um important things to do there with the diet Um, you can also add in add in some other foods that will help to reduce the estrogen load on the body Um, so particularly coriander celery turmeric rosemary chamomile and um, alfalfa can encourage estrogen uh, metabolism so detoxing from from the estrogen levels and good bacteria plays a massive role also in detoxifying the estrogen. So getting onto a good probiotic or simply adding in some fermented foods into your diet. Um, no soy, as we talked about before, that is estrogen forming and it won't, won't serve you. And go organic wherever you can because pesticides and fertilizers are also a contributing factor to estrogen dominance. So mm. wherever you can get onto organic produce um, and filtered water especially to remove fluoride and chloride because they upset the thyroid health and the gut bacteria. So they're big ones there. Lifestyle side of things, it's really important to understand that mindset and movement are just as important as diet. So it's not just about diet. Um, So move daily. Get your 10,000 steps up. So at least aim for those. Um, and move, you know, really mimic what, what we do, what we did as hunter and gatherers. So short bursts of high intensity activity, but lots of walking and then some strength training in there as well. So you might want to go to yoga or Pilates or bar classes. Um, have time for you every day. So do something that you really enjoy, that you love, that really serves you because, you know, we tend to rush around and do things for everyone else, but you need to really be looking after yourself and enjoying life as well. Um, restful sleep, massive. 
for hormone um, you know, balancing. And I find, I find that because people are up on their laptops, their phones at night, they're putting out their, they're upsetting their natural circadian rhythm. And um, so something simple that you can do is go outside in the morning, really expose yourself to that natural light. And at night, look at getting some of those blue light blocking sunglasses. So at least putting those on when the sun goes down. So then when you are on your laptop or phone, you're at least blocking out the, that stimulating blue light, which is preventing your melatonin production. Um, as we talked about the estrogen mimicking factors, the BPA is a big one there. We want to go for glass or stainless steel over plastic wherever you can. Um, also something is uh, clothes with flame retardants. That is a source of phthalates. So just remember that for kids, a lot of kids' clothing is, um, contains those flame retardants. Uh, and looking at considering natural contraceptive methods. So instead of going on the pill and looking at a Billings ovula- a method of ovulation, some natural ways that you can gain power about what's happening in your cycle without impacting um, your, your health, basically. Um, skincare products, look for paraben-free, phthalate-free. Avoid laying vinyl in your home, as I mentioned before. That's a big um, source of phthalates. Airing out your home as much as possible or your new car um, because that will help to detox from the, from the phthalates. Getting um, indoor plants is really important or air filters. Dry body brush, if you've got an infrared sauna, these things help to detox um, from, from anything really, but particularly from the um, estrogen mimicking substances oh. and get, get lots of sunshine. Vitamin D is crucial. Okay? <laughs> that, is a, that is a massive list, Casey. Mm. I have a feeling there's going to be a few people hitting rewind and replay on that one because there was heaps of stuff there, but all great and all important. And the great thing is all fits in very well with what we're talking about in terms of our paleo lifestyle and and the sort of stuff we've spoken about right throughout the show. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So if people want to find out more information, because even though Casey has just given us a wealth of information, she's got so much more. There's so plenty more of that. <laughs> you can check out her website at caseywilsonnd.com, and that's Wilson with a double L. So make sure mm-hmm. you get that one right. And Casey got, with a K. And Casey with a K. Thank you. Um, and she's also on social media. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are all Casey Wilson ND. Um, you can also go to her website and check out her summer revival pack. So this is a pack of Casey. You were saying ebooks, particularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yep. so I've got, got a few ebooks in there. So I've got my twenty-one day summer detox. Got healthy habits to dining out. So if you're going out and you want some support and eating healthy, got my winter warmers recipe book in there as a bonus. And there's also a skin revival pack in there as well. So yeah, lots of info, lots of good recipes in there too. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Casey. Sorry it took so long to get you on. I promise it won't take as long before we get you back on because obviously you've got so much more to share. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Brett. No worries. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. Are you full of health and wellness information yet struggling to implement into your daily life? Or do you have your health sorted out but struggling to integrate it with your other areas of your life? We've surveyed a number of Wellness Couch fans and recognize that this is the biggest challenge that most of you face in daily life. How do you turn your knowledge into action and a lifestyle? Enter the Wellness Breakthrough. For three days and two nights in February, eight of your Wellness Couch favorites are gathering in Melbourne for one incredible event, and we just have three spots left. Entry to the Wellness Breakthrough is by application only. To apply, simply go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. And apologies in advance if you apply and we're all sold out. 
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.